Okay then, before we get started, quick shout out to any young magicians listening. July 8th to the 10th, we're running the Session Convention in Heathrow in London. If you're under 18, we've got a youth scholarship so you can come for nothing. We will pay for your ticket. We will pay for a ticket for a parent or guardian. And you can join us at what Dynamo says is the best magic convention in the world this summer in London. If you are over 18, of course, you're still welcome to join us. But if you know any young magicians, tell them about this amazing opportunity. Do a post on Facebook, send them an email, drop them a message, however you want to do it. Make sure any young magicians you know are aware that they can come to the session convention for free. It's the first time it's happened in the summer. Should have happened in January. Should have happened in January before that. But, you know, COVID's. So, anybody interested, please go along to vanishinginkmagic.com slash the session. All one word. That will forward you to the right page. And you can find at the top scholarships. Hit that and apply. We look forward to seeing you in July. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you, as ever, by Vanishing Inc. My guest today is an incredible mentalist and is going to be teaching Masterclass next month. So please put your hands together and make him feel very welcome. It's Mark Paul. Mark, how are you this morning? <laughs> I'm very well, Damien. Nice to see you and thank you for inviting me along. It's, well, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you for giving us your time. What's your magic origin story? You have 28 seconds. Very, very boring. Got given a magic set when I was about eight years old. Threw it in the cupboard, couldn't do any of the tricks. And then I was off ill from school for a, 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 a day and I was bored and I got the tricks down. Um, took the old coin slide. And made a coin disappear without knowing where it had gone. So I, the magic bug bit me. You fooled yourself. Like, oh, my God. Magic's real. Uh, how wonderful. <laughs> and I never looked back since. I mean, obviously, I figured it out later, rattling it around. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but no, never looked back. And it, it was, do you know, I think it was that magical moment that actually bit, you know, why the bug bit so deep with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had Andy Nyman on the show recently. And he was yeah. talking about that period in the 90s where it was pretty much just you and him in the UK yeah. doing doing mentalism. Why yeah. do you think so few people dabbled in it then? And why do you think it's oh so very popular now? Well, you know, back then, you know, mentalism was deemed to be quite boring, you know. And in a sense it is because it is very procedure-based. Mm-hmm there is a lack of visual element to it as well. Um, what had happened with me and Andy, and, and what was lovely is that time was such a creative, fertile time for both of us, you know, because we used to meet up all the time. I mean, this is after Marvin's Magic. Mm-hmm. We had, um, you know, we had met. You both I'd, graduated. I'd actually, I'd actually recruited Andy, you know, to Dem and sell Spengali's uh, at Marvin's Magic. And But this was afterwards. This was when we were both building our sort of careers as close-up performers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Andy was even doing things like kids' parties and stuff uh, back then. And both of us recognised something sort of quite fundamental. Uh, from my perspective, I'm not funny. I'm not a comedy entertainer right. i i i had grown up on paul daniels mm-hmm. and wayne dobson and i had emulated them 
but they weren't I, I wasn't them you know right. I, that wasn't me and I I when I was 16 I used to do a, a, a telephone directory test in my sort of stand-up sort of show uh, the rest of the show was very standard it was like you know invisible deck and chinese sticks and cut and restored rope i mean it was all traditional magic stuff but i'd read this um john booth uh, idea for a telephone directory test and i put that in and it and it killed it killed every time i did i was only doing like things like youth club shows sure. and stuff and so later on in life when i got into my 20s and you know we were making our living then as close-up performers when I started to entertain the idea of having a, an upsell, you know, a cabaret spot to sell in addition to the close-up, I returned to this idea of the telephone directory test because, you know, it, it'd been impactful. And recognising that I'm not a comedy performer, I thought, actually, you know, the mentalism side of it is so strong. The material from that... that that is available to mentalists is is incredible, you know. And I I had grown up on a diet of watching David Burgless on TV right. and recognizing that whereas I could watch, say, a Paul Daniels magic show and I could see all the classics, I could see Aerial Fishing or Miser's Dream or I could see these classics being performed. Yes, in different ways, but they they were there. And I I could go to the Tarbell course in magic and, and look these tricks up. Yeah. But with David Burglass, I couldn't look this stuff up. They, uh, they, they were, the methods weren't there. It was like, what's going on here? I, you know, so all of these all of this formative stuff that was going on when I was in my teens sort of came to a head when I was in my, my 20s, which is the, the, the sort of the, the 90s, you know. So when I'm in my sort of mid-20s, I'm sort of looking at this stuff and thinking, actually, this is powerful stuff. This right. is where I want to go, you know. Um, and I've always strongly thought, if you're going to call yourself a magician, what you're aiming for is the wow moment. You, you've got to amaze your audiences. And I'm, I'm not against comedy magic. Comedy's great. It's fine. But if you're getting more laughs than you're getting wows, mm -hmm. the reality is you're actually a co you're a comedy performer. You're yeah. a comedy performer with 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 props. Um, so stripping everything away, you 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 end up with these sort of fundamental mentalism effects that just are hard hitting wow moments that are impacting the audience. And Andy and I both recognise that sort of at about the same time. And we worked a lot together. A, a lot of what you're seeing in Andy's book, I'm, I'm looking down there because it's on the bottom shelf there, in, in Andy's book called um, Bulletproof, he, a lot of those chapters, they were stuff that we were coming up with. And, and you know, and he, you know, he talks about that in the book as well. You know, things like there was a routine, a billet routine he came up with called Con Air. And I remember I can distinctly sitting sitting in his um, you know in his lounge and we were working on that routine. I, I you know I can distinctly remember that. And I think there was only one other person at the time. It was Graham Jolly sure. who was making a career and making a living as a mentalist. And again, Jolly had been heavily influenced by Al Quran. who was a massive Al Quran mm -hmm. fan, and. I think probably Graham, I'd never sort of talked to him about this, but probably Graham had had a similar realisation. You know, Graham is actually very funny, very, but yeah. he likes that impactfulness of, of mentalism. So he was the only guy, and both of both Andy and I had seen Graham, and we were huge Graham fans. Um, and, yeah, I think it just suited our personalities to go in that direction, really. So... Um, you know, we were both mentalists. What 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 happened with me? Obviously, Andy went the route of um, 
eventually, obviously, the objective productions and advising for Darren and, and so on. And my route, if you think sort of 90, the mid 90s is when we're starting to become mentalists. And for me, it, in the space of about 18 months, I transitioned from being close up, a close up worker to being an after dinner cabaret entertainer. And I did that just through upselling. It was, you know, that somebody booked me for a close up and I'd say, you know, oh, I, I, free of charge, I'll add on like 10 minutes where I do something for the whole room. And, and then it was like, you know, for an extra 200 pounds, I'll do something for the whole room. And then for an extra 500 pounds, I'll do something, you know, I do 20 minutes for the whole room. And then, it, you know, and it got into it. And I think another driving factor is for me personally, I was a bit burnt out as a close up performer. I mean, I was in, this is in the days when, you know, we were working almost every single night, I mean, in, in London. Um, and it was exhausting. I mean, it, it was very lucrative, sure. but very exhausting because there was a limited number of close-up performers at this time. It's not how it is today where there's a lot of close-up people. There, there were only a handful of people who were actually doing close-up as well. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to abide by my strict rule this is a rule i've lived by all my life um because possibly fundamentally i'm a little bit lazy so actually my rule is to work uh, less for more money and the the idea really of transitioning into the after dinner cabaret market that seemed to fit that criteria mm. you could charge more but you're only turning up to do a 40 minute or 45 minute spot so um yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and I not think, having does to that, interrupt does that people. Answer the question? That might have been no, no, no. It doesn't answer the question <laughs> in any way. Although it was very interesting. What I was, <laughs> in, what I was wondering was why you think so few people were into mentalism then, and yes. now it's so popular. All right. Well, let, let's give that a short, succinct answer <laughs> on that. You see, that was to do with um, the perception that mentalism's boring. Right. I think, you know, and it's it's sort of less interesting than magic. You know, you, you get involved with the slights and you, you know, there is this visual aspect of, of magic and, and men, mentalism doesn't sort of really have that. And I think because of that, it draws less people to okay. it. I also feel you have to be a stronger personality. Mm. It is much more about you than it is about the prop or anything else it's it's actually quite a rawer form of entertainment you are you're more naked a yeah more. yeah so i think that was where the lack of attraction was and then of course the popularity is purely because of darren i mean right. darren breaks through and and just prior to that before that you had david blaine breaking through with yes it's close-up stuff but there were sort of mentalism mm -hmm. elements to it as well that 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 you know, Darren picks up on, um, or, or the objective team rather yeah. picks up on, they find Darren and they, you know, they go that route with it. And yeah, purely because of Darren, it now explodes. Now you've got, you know, everybody who, who wants to be a, a mind reader, you know, a magician mind reader. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember actually advertising on um, corporatemagicians.com. This is going back years. This was Duncan Trillo's site. And there used to be like 20 people on it. And, you know, we should get a lot of work. Sure. From it. And then after after Darren, it literally exploded. You'd have 200 people on there, 300 people on there. Um, and most of them were 
advertising themselves as a magician mind reader as well. So I think, you know, it's solely Darren. Darren is entirely responsible. I blame him completely <laughs> for the mass of mentalism that's on the market today. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think for people listening that are getting into it or interested in getting into it, what do you think are some of the common pitfalls or mistakes that people make when first starting down the mentalism I, road? I don't know if this is necessarily a pitfall, but it is something that, that I've become very aware of, and that is there is a massive prominence of electronic gadgets and gizmos mm -hmm. that basically turn you into a god at the press of a button. Mm -hmm. And that's great. I mean, it's very impressive. They're amazing tools, but... And, and this is where I think the possible pitfall is. If you're just getting into mentalism, you can actually go buy these, the, this sort of push button stuff, but it doesn't teach you about becoming a mentalist. It doesn't teach you about presenting mentalism in a way that is engaging and impactful and ultimately an, an impressive form of, of entertainment. Um, obviously, this isn't a criticism of the actual electronics because they're just a tool of course. And, and you can use a tool badly. You know, yeah, you can yeah. pick up a hammer and use the handle to try and bang a nail in. You're not using the tool effectively. Sure. And I think the, the trouble is it's, it's sort of too easy. It's, it's too easy. If I was getting into mentalism now, you know, it's the old advice. It's return to the jinx. It's return to practical mental effects. For me, it's learn billets. Mm -hmm. Learn if, if you're into magic, it's a natural progression to go into billets because it is sleight of hand. Yeah. And learning those fundamentals, in other words, with just some pieces of paper and some pencils, you've got to learn to be able to engage and to entertain and do impressive stuff. So I think possibly the pitfall is at the moment, it's too easy to get right. into mentalism and because of that i think some performers you know some some new uh, you know performers come in maybe have a lack of possibly respect for mentalism and what mentalism can create um i will also say that the problem is also nowadays is that more and more and more we are blurring the line between magic and mentalism. Mm -hmm. You know, I do see a lot of performers that will go out and do close-up and it is more of a, a melding of the two. And this is becoming apparent, I think, to the public. It may be just in the early days at the moment, but even someone like Darren is now, you know, it's leaning much more towards, you know, mental illusionist or, or whatever the strap line of the show is today. It It, it is magic is not you know perceived as such a, a bad word now so the magic and mentalism line is is being blurred to both the public and uh, to us as performers as well and you know maybe i'm a bit old school i feel that's a little bit of a shame because it does magic and mentalism are quite distinct in my own mind and there's nothing you know there's nothing um uh, one isn't better than another. Of course. But I feel they are different. I feel, you know, I mean, I've just got back from a cruise ship. It was full of Americans. You know, I'm I'm doing a 
of just mentalism on stage. And when I talk to the audience, because I'm very exposed after the show, I'm wandering around the ship and people can see me and they, they can sit me down and insist on me having a cup of coffee with them and, and talk about stuff. And the way mentalism impacts on people is just very different from how magic mm. impacts. The, and the old simple description is, you know, when you vanish a coin, no one believes the coin is actually dematerialized from this universe. Yeah. But when you do mentalism, there, there is this sort of level of belief that is yeah. still behind it. It's, it's real because of the belief that's still behind it. Now, I'm not talking about trying to develop that belief. You know, I, that's not my job. But I think it's a very interesting theatrical uh, environment to play in. Mm when your audience is believing or, or, or more believing what you do. Want to believe, you know, with, yes. as, like the death, of, well, the death of the church and religion and the less and less people being into that. They want something sure. to believe in, you know, so yeah, why yeah, not believe get, that you I, can read their mind? You're so right. I mean, I don't want to get heavy, you know, with the whole sort of religious side of things, but you are right. We, we as human beings, we want to believe that there's something more. Yeah, it is, it's almost intrinsic as, as to what we are as a species, yeah. we want to believe in it. Yeah. So I, I think mentalism taps into that in a way that magic used to in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, you go back to the days of, you know, of witchcraft and all yeah, of that yeah. stuff, but it, it, it doesn't do it so much now. Yeah. And I think that the, 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 it's not a problem and it's not a danger. I was going to sort of use those words, but the, 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 the thing that is happening, the challenge possibly that's happening now is that because magic and mentalism is blurring in the future, it'll all be just lumped in as tricks and mm -hmm. fun and, and that sort of thing. So we will, I think that believability is eroding even as we speak. Interesting. Uh, talking of, of beliefs, I had a question later down, but I'll ask it now as it seems relevant. What's your view on claiming powers as a mentalist? When yeah, a men that, that uh, not a... you, when a mentalist performs and they claim powers, what's your feelings about that? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. And it is something that each mentalist personally has to consider at mm. some time because of exactly what we've just talked about. That, that there's a bit more responsibility to you as a performer because there will be people in your audience that are believing what you're doing. And because of that, you are also you're you're reinforcing that belief. You you are you're the proof. You're demonstrating that, it. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That they're that, that what they believe is real. And and of course you you've got to be careful with things like that. I mean, my own position is I neither want you know when you enter my show whatever. If you're a skeptic, you should leave as a skeptic. If you're a believer, you should leave as a believer. You know, I, 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 my job is not to change anybody's beliefs about anything. My job is to entertain and, and engage an audience. Um, and I think it, it is a personal question. I'm against the... the, the, the there is this sort of a, a line of thinking that maybe you should have a disclaimer at the beginning of the show. In other words, you walk out and you say... Um, everything you're about to see is, uh, you know, is an illusion. You know, I, I'm not really reading minds, but I'm going to give the illusion of, of reading minds. Now, it may not be as blunt as that, sure. but it might be some nicely worded script that goes in that direction. Uh, my personal feeling is I think I feel you rob your audience a little bit of that because when, when they're sitting there waiting to see the mind reader, um, 
they don't quite know what to expect. At least that's what it's like on a cruise ship for me. They, they don't quite know. Many people have not seen a mind reader live. So they, they, there's that anticipation. And I feel if you walk out and say everything you're about to see actually is tricks, you rob them a little bit of, of, of that. Um, so then there are varying degrees all the way through, of course, to the other extreme, which is everything I do is real. You know, this isn't tricks. This is real, you know. Um, and of course, I'm against that as well. Um, so it is where, where do you sit in that gray area in between? And I think you've got to you've got to sit down at some point and answer that question yourself. Maybe you don't have to do that on day one of becoming a mentalist, but <laughs> you do have to do it as you gain experience and as you start thinking about what you're comfortable with sure. as well. Um I know Andy Nyman and I at one point, you know, go back to those 90s, you know, we're short on cash. We decided, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to do psychic, we're going to go and go and do psychic fairs. Why not? We're, we're not working on Sundays. There's a psychic party, every, psychic fair every weekend. We can go in and, you know, we're hearing stories that you can make, you know, 300, 400 pounds by doing palm reading and stuff. And, and I thought, I'm going to get an angle on it. I'll be an aura reader. You know, no morals at all back then. And it's like, <laughs> hold on. You know, and, and I tell you what, what changed it was the one day when Andy and I went and did um, a psychic fair together. And I, I, I like to say we, we went in sinners and came out as saints because by the end of that day, both Andy and I knew we could not do this. We could not do this sort of thing. Why? Because... It is about people. These are people that are seeking some sort of help. And that is not something that we are qualified to do. It is, right. in, you know, so very quickly we learned that lesson and we never did it again. And I think that also sort of gave us a line of, 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 of where we sit on that scale, you know. Actually doing um, it firsthand and seeing yeah. the yeah, I don't advocate that you do that. You know, this I would say that was the naivety of youth that sure. made me do sure, that, but an know? interesting lesson um, nonetheless. Yeah, and and a proper life lesson. So so my perspective in that scale is coming from experience. It's not something where I've sat down and thought, well, this would be a nice script to say at the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is something you consider. Um, I yeah, I, I'm against this is all tricks, and I'm against this is genuine real psychic phenomena you know i am in the middle somewhere um i don't want to rob my audience of a theatrical experience but i don't want to make them believe in something that i know is not fair. what i'm doing fair fair you mentioned um animan and the jinx and obviously there's 13 steps is the other one that everybody always talks yeah. about what other mentalism books would you think that people getting interested should uh yeah, experiment they... with you know, that's a really good question because people don't ask that question. It is the standard advice of 13 steps and practical mental effects. The first thing I will do is say not practical mental effects, actually, but the original jinx right. where you see what practical mental effects is a collection of effects from the jinx. And actually, there was a load of stuff missed out. So if you go back to the original, I mean, you know, what we're talking about is uh, uh, these. These are, you know, this is all the sort of old style 
um, the app, the, these are the original each each month Hannah Man is bringing out one of these. Now, you might not have the originals, but that doesn't matter because I know, for example, there's a project going on now, actually, that somebody is, um, uh, uh, Julian Lysander, um, he is retypesetting all of them and releasing them over the course of, uh, of a, you know, each month, I think. So, you know, that, that material is there. It is available to you. It's not something you have to go and find um, in some, you know, ancient bookshop or something like that. So um, it's around. So, so first of all, the original Jinx, because there's so much more in it. And what you also get in there is commentary from Animan, which puts it into perspective for the time period. Sure. So when you're taking a routine and you're adapting it to something more, you know, to our uh, age and our time, by reading about Animan and what he, why he's done what he has done in his time, it gives you a perspective, a fresh perspective about how to change it and alter it for now. Um, the other thing I would try to say is there are obviously now a, a, a whole bunch of um, more modern books. And, uh, it, you know, Pete Turner has gone a long way to... He, he went from a sort of stage of really bold, impactful, um, no-prop mentalism but maybe that wouldn't have suited everybody mm -hmm. pete can get away with a lot of it other people can't um and he's gone from that when he started to actually material now that is very much richer because he's using those classic techniques and he's still got his own unique pete turner approach but he's bringing in you know the classic rock solid methods that are behind it so i think um for me pete turner's later works uh, are something that definitely uh, you know are worth um looking at and for me personally uh, david burglass i mean for me david burglass was somebody that you know i grew up on and, and david has now published all his work there are two large books unfortunately they are quite expensive and they're obviously becoming rarer as well because i think there was just a limited print run mm. but there's the mind myth and magic of david burglass and there were the burglass effects which are all of his um card work so 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 for me i i reference those works um all, all the time um let me have a quick look on my bookshelf and see if something leaps yeah, out as well as something modern um Oh, yeah, I have to say, yeah. So there's an Australian guy who well, lives in Australia. He's actually an, um, an Englishman um, at, called Sean Taylor. And Sean brought out a couple of books, uh, called one called Mindstorm, one called Mind Coaster. Um, and I have to say, he is, because he's in Australia, he's sort of a little bit more isolated. I mean, you know, he's not. He's got his sort of group of people around him. But what he does is um, he's a worker. And so the material in here, it's practical. And I think my advice is seek out people that are working, you know, pe people that are that are performing close up mentalism or performing cabaret mentalism. If you want to learn mentalism, Go to the pros that are releasing material. Go to the people that are actually doing it. Because what you'll then be subtly guided towards are the routines that are not pipe dreams. You'll be guided to routines that we know work in the real world. And a lot of them actually are tried and tested plots. And, and a lot of the time, try some of the plots that 
maybe um, a, a sort of an armchair mentalist that's writing routines and coming up with lots of ideas, but uh, you know, which is fine too. Um, but the problem is some of those plots are a bit too convoluted for working in a yeah, real yeah. environment. You you have to have sort of it's got to be relatively straightforward, and the plots have to be fairly you know simple you can't make things too convoluted or complex when you're actually engaging an audience so you know there's a sort of few people so look up guys that are, are doing stuff and, and and you know and i have to say you know some of the videos that are out at the moment i won't name certain channels but obviously vanishing ink is one of them um and you know, the only one anyone needs <laughs> these master classes you know you, you've got people that are unbelievable pros these are people that have worked for years and they're releasing their material on these video platforms so you know it's phenomenal i mean it's phenomenal you've got access to people that you never used to have access to yeah. i mean when i was a kid i'm looking for magic books there's nothing anywhere there's no internet i'm cycling around to every single local market and rummaging through hundreds thousands of books to find you know, a magic book, you know, from the, I mean, you know, stuff like this, you know, that, you know, the secrets of modern conjuring. Look how modern that is, guys. Very modern. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, it's falling apart. But, you know, I picked that book up when I was probably 14 or something, you know, and was really pleased to have it because yeah. that's what I had access to. Yeah, or yeah. I had access to stuff like simple conjuring tricks, you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, by Will Goldstone, though. I mean, ah. you know, so, Will Goldstone. so, you know, this is stuff I grew up on. And I think if, today you've got to be more selective. You have to be more selective because there is a deluge of material that is out there. Um, and just by definition, some is going to be better than others. So my advice is, you know, look for the people that are actually working, the people that are actually doing it. And um, I think you'll get better advice from them. Fantastic.